so uh, I got an email this morning from uh, from Schedulicity, and um, we've all heard about uh, Schedulicity Pays, and and we've heard about uh, Schedulicity Cares. Um, well, Schedulicity sent an email, and and they're changing the game once again. And um, with the whole uh, coronavirus thing that's going on, we actually have the CEO of Schedulicity, Jerry Natuno, um, on the line now, and he's going to kind of uh, tell us uh, what Schedulicity is up to. So, Jerry, uh, welcome back. Thank you. Excited as always to uh, talk to you guys. Thanks, man. So, uh, just tell us what Schedule City is doing and 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 how uh, how they're helping out uh, Schedule City users. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, we're in some very challenging um, and unprecedented times. Uncharted waters. Most people have never lived through anything like this, and um, I think even more incredible the fact that it's almost changing by the hour. Um, however. Um, as we um, are all going through these times and trying to figure out how we're going to navigate, uh, you know, through this, through the the future to see what as, as things unfold, um, you know, it became very apparent to us that some of the people most affected by this, uh, you know, um, this craziness are are our people, right? Our business, because our businesses are people who make a living um, by providing services and teaching classes, mm-hmm. you know, hands on. Um, you know, human contact. And um, I started to hear this last week, some of the hardships that people were already facing, not the least of which was a phone call from my daughter, um, Lauren, who, you know, recently became, you know, an an esthetician and started her career in October. She called me on Thursday and she's like, dad, I don't know what to do. You know, half of my people canceled today at the last minute. And she was upset. She said, you know, uh, what do you think is going to happen, Dad? You know, remember, this is a 22, about to be 23-year-old um, young woman, and she's, you know, this is craziness to her. So, you know, she said, Dad, I don't know what to do. If this happens, you know, I don't know if I can pay my rent. And that was really, I couldn't sleep the whole night trying to think about, you know, just knowing how, you know, our our community is being affected. And so I called together my leadership team um, the next morning, and I said, you know what I want to do? I want to I, w- I want to give Schedulicity to all of our users for free for the next three months. Um, tell me if I'm crazy. Tell me how we can make this happen. What can we do? And my entire team worked tirelessly, including Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, eleven people on a Zoom call at eight in the morning um, to figure out how we could get this happening. And so we basically have suspended charging any fee for the next three months for all of our businesses, um, you know, to just try and help people get through this time. Not only that, but we, 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 we turned it on so, so they, they could go on and start turning on all kinds of things that they weren't using before, like automated marketing and things like that, you know, to try and help, Mm, um, with these times. Um, and so anyway, uh, we made the announcement this morning and, um, I've been seeing a lot of, uh, really positive um, response from people. And, you know, it's the least that, that we can do. Um, you know, I, I think I told you the very first time I met you that um, we're proud of our company. We're proud of what we do. But at the end of the day, we want to be, you know, we want to be judged by the impact that we have on people. And I just felt like in these, uh, you know, trying times, um, this is the least we could do. Well, you know, once again, I've, um well, thank you for that. And, and I'll say a big thank you from the industry and, you know, all those that uh, get to use Schedulicity. And um, 
you know, just, just Jared, just thank you. And, and, you know, you, you told me that you guys want to make an impact on people and, and you've done nothing, nothing but prove it, you know, every step of the way or you know, every time you guys have a new initiative, it's how you can help the industry. And, you know, from the industry, from Tony and I, from, from our entire hairdistry team, thank you very much. Thank you for all that you do. I appreciate it. We're always here for you, my friend. Look forward to seeing you in, uh, in person soon. See you soon, Jared. Thanks, bud. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. And of course, I'm sitting with my best friend, Tom. What's up, buddy? What's going on, brother? So uh, we've had an interesting couple months around here. You know, first we have COVID and now uh, now we have, um, you know, this uh, this uh, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement that has definitely, um, I don't know what the word is, but it, it's kind of, it's taken over our industry, right? Like almost everything that you see on Instagram or everything that you see on social media is around this Black Lives um, Matters movement. And, um, and you know, yeah, here we are. Protesting, right? It, 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 it's definitely um, something that probably needed to be addressed <laughs> a long time ago, right? But now, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Generations now that, ago. Right? Oh, yeah, but now, but now that it has the attention of the whole industry and not I mean, the whole world really, but we're talking about our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, how do we use this to, to better our industry, right? How do we use this to bring us together to make sure change in our industry and, and throughout the rest of the, the country and the world happens, right? So mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we're going to try to try to figure out. Yeah, I mean, I think the first question is what responsibility do we have as an industry? And by no means am I saying we don't have responsibility, but, but what are the responsibilities that we have as an industry, you know, to address this and how, and how to address this? So today, um, you know, we brought on, once again, one of our favorite guests um, that, that, that we've had on. So today we're bringing on uh, Mr. Tyreek Jackson. And, and Tyreek, I just, you know, when I reached out to Tyreek about having this conversation, I said that, you know, we respect him so much because he's so incredibly thoughtful. You know, like, like I never, I've never felt like words have ever come across his lips that he hasn't thought about. You know, he's very purposeful in his messaging and he's very purposeful in his delivery. And I thought it's that. It's never inward, right? It's always outward. He's always tried to help others, always, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, we, we felt that he's the perfect one to have this conversation with because it's always about other people. Mm, love that. Well, let's let's go ahead and get in. So, Mr. Tyreek Jackson, welcome back to your day off. What's happening, guys? Thanks for having me on the show, especially in a time of uh, social unrest. Uh-huh. Um, really, really challenging times for our community, challenging times for our industry and the and uh, the world as a whole. A hundred percent, you know. And, and and even though we're going to be talking a lot about our industry, but hopefully, you know outside of our industry and in the community and in the world as a whole, you know, hopefully it, they can see what we're trying to do and, and, and just, and, you know, it, bettering, just bettering impact, our industry. How can we better yeah, our industry from that? 
Tariq, I, let, let's kind of start back to to the George Floyd thing, and I'm I'm interested in what your perspective is as to like one like like the George Floyd thing. Like you're seeing police officers for the first time kind of get behind the, this the the um this movement, like this you know anti police brutality movement. Mm-hmm. You see a lot more politicians. You see a lot more celebrities. You see a lot more people kind of getting behind this. Why is this, why is, why is George Floyd different than, than, than any of the other, from your perspective, why is it any different than any of the other videos that we've seen over the last, you know, decade? You asked an amazing question. Um, <laughs> and I was hoping that you would ask that question in that way, because I need to paint uh, a picture. I'm going to be talking about this on Tyree Talk Tuesday, and I've been getting DMs after DMs and people calling me and texting me and sharing stuff on Instagram like, hey, did you see this? Are you going to talk about this? Hey, can we talk about this? And so I don't, I think the, the reason that you're asking the question is because there is a spiritual dynamic that is taking place that most people aren't recognizing. So I want to bring, I want to bring something up. So all the other times that we have seen things happening, uh, we've seen it. We, we've seen it. And you're like, oh, my God, that's horrible. Oh, my God, why? And then we would, some people would say, I wonder what they did or what, what, what was that? And then there's times where you're like, well, that doesn't even look like that was justified. And so we've had these conversations. The difference then from now is that for three months, for three months, our world has slowed down and stopped. And because our world has slowed down and stopped, empathy for the human condition has gone all the way up, okay? It's all the way up because the playing field has been evened. And what I mean by that, regardless of how much money you have or where you live or your social status, you have to go to the grocery store just like I do. You got to wear a mask just like I do. You have to be You have to deal with the same situations that I do as a whole. Every human across the globe had to experience COVID-19. And because we all had to experience this, empathy for the human condition has gone up. Now, when we would see that before, we weren't in a position of human empathy as high because, one, it didn't affect me personally. That was over there. Or we didn't see that. So like 9-11. Wow, 9-11, the country, oh, my gosh. But if you're in Kentucky or Pennsylvania or whatever, it's like, man, that's crazy up there. But everybody in New York came together as a whole because they cared about one another. You saw photos of whenever something, when the, the, the day before uh, 9-11, no flags. Right after 9-11, everyone had American flags up because they understood as a collective what they were experiencing as a state. Okay, so now we have a global thing happening. And the reason why this one is so different is because three, four, five, six months ago, last year, two years ago, we didn't have the time for it. Why didn't we have the time? Because you would see it and you're like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And then you pick up your daughter from school or then you go to work and you're cutting hair and you're talking to your clients and your clients are bringing up and you're like, yeah, that's horrible. Did you see that? I don't know, man, that's crazy. And you went about your regular day life and then you get down after dinner, you check your phone during lunch or whatever and you'd see it and it would come back up, but you were living your normal life. 
So right now, since the world in the last three months, three, four months has been slowed down, empathy for the human condition has gone all the way up. We all have time. So we've had time to absorb this in a totally different way because we're not going to work. We're not going to pick up our daughters. We're not going to the barbershop. We are sitting and absorbing this in a higher level now with empathy going all the way up people are feeling it that's why it's a global movement and not just a local movement before it was localized it was it's happened over here so local communities would come together but because we're absorbing it at a high volume so intense with empathy going all the way up we can't help but to feel it we can't help but to say something's got to change here this is ridiculous it's no different than anyone else that we've watched it, it, go back watch other videos you see them they keep surfacing up and people keep sharing it as a reminder like this is not this this is not any different this is the same the difference is that we're in a different position people in general all over the globe are in a different position and because we're in a different position we have the ability to absorb what's happening at a high level and because empathy is up we actually are now activating the fact that we care more we've cared before but we're activating at a higher level and the movement is happening. I don't want it to stop, to be honest with you. And there's a reason why I don't want it to stop. Well, first off, uh, I applaud you because that's the best explanation that I've heard um, about, you know, why it matters now. Like, why does it matter more? I guess is the, is, is the real question, but a hundred percent because it's, it's, it's funny because you said that, you know, we all have more time and we can absorb it and we're, uh, we're totally, 100% tuned in. And that's the truth because, you know, before COVID, you know, you're right. We all get so stinking busy and we can't even keep up with our own lives in order to take on something new. Right. So now we do have that time. It's just, you're right. That, that was put brilliantly, brilliantly. It's a different, it's a different time for us. And see, when I say it's spiritual, so in the prophetic world, uh, whether you guys are spiritual or not, or anyone listening and watching, if you're spiritual, in the prophetic world, this was the year of the mouth. Okay? The mouth, uh, mouth, mouth, mouth. Not mouse, mouth. <laughs> and um, so in the prophetic world, the year of the mouth. So right now, what has happened in the last three months? Our mouths were covered. We couldn't speak. You would go to a restaurant and you're, you guys are very nice people. I'm sure you see people. Hey, how you doing? I know everywhere I go, I speak to everybody. My wife is like, you talk to everybody. My kids are like, you say hi to everybody. That's just me. But now I'm in the grocery store with a mask on and I'm nodding, I'm winking. I'm saying hello. And I'm motion, and people are emotionless. We can't speak. There is a concern for the human condition. And so you're in and it feels awkward. You're in a store. You can't. You know, you know, and your mouth has been covered. Well, guess what? Since George Floyd, people's taken off the mask and now they're really speaking. People's emotions are coming out. We've been able to absorb this thing in such a high rate. And here's here's what's very, 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 very dangerous. So when I moved to this house, um, I moved here about 12 years ago. This house had uh, no grass, had no grass. It was nothing. And uh, it was just dirt. And the reason why is he had a saint, the guy who owned the home before, had a St. Bernard, and he just tore the whole yard up. Uh, so it was just ridiculous. And so I move in, and what? I want grass, right? So I go out, and I plant grass seed, nothing. I go out, I water grass seed, nothing. I put some straw down, nothing. That's what a few months ago 
was like last year, the year before, the soil wasn't fertile. It wasn't in a condition to be receptive to seed and water for it to germinate and grow. That's what was happening. So I, what I had to do is I went, ran, went out and I rented a rototill and I had to till the dirt. I had to flip it. I had to get it real soft and break it all the way up, right? Put some stuff down to, to soften up a little lime, things like that, to soften it up, to make the soil receptive. Then what I did is I went and I got some Kentucky bluegrass and I put my straw down and I wet it every day. I followed the instructions and then I got this beautiful, full, thick grass in my yard. And when my grass was like three to four inches high, it looked blue. I mean, it looked, it was beautiful. It was blue. And it took me a few months to get it. What happened is our world has been flipped upside down like the dirt. Before it was hard. You couldn't absorb it. You weren't able to receive it, right? People weren't receptive to what was going on, right? Now that everyone has been softened, right? Whatever you cast on this soil, our hearts, our minds, what we see, it's going to germinate at a high level because the soil is prepared. Your heart is prepared to receive. Your mind is prepared to rationalize and try and figure this out. We haven't been in that position before, okay? And now that we're there, we have to be very, very careful because if you are on the side of anger, bitterness, resentment from any race, any culture, that's what's going to germinate and grow. If you're on the side of acceptance and realizing that I need to stand up for other people and myself and, 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 and I need to out my friends who are wrong and I need to straighten up that attitude. And no, have you, have you, I don't know if you've ever done this. I used to be a really big Mark Wahlberg fan. If you go on to Mark Wahlberg's um, LinkedIn, uh, not LinkedIn, his um, Wikipedia profile, there is a whole file on his racial discrimination uh, incidents. It's ridiculous to see it. And you didn't know that, but but because all this stuff comes out, you begin to absorb it. And so we have to stand on the side and you got to out your friends and say, hey, bro, that's that's stinking thinking. Because if you don't do that, it's going to germinate. It's going to grow because the soil is so that's why you see so many angry people out on the corners against the protesters. You know, you see a few people out there just like, you know, ah, go back to your country. And, you know, it's like, what are you, dude, what are you? Are you not, are you not connected to what's going on here? And you know, it doesn't matter until it matters. You mentioned Tony that you're having a, you you got a grandbaby on the way in August. And I know if something happened to your child, you would want to respond in a way, you know, your first instinct, you know, you you guys have self-control. If something happened to your grandbaby, you know, some heinous crime like this, how would it, how would you respond to it? You know, and people, people are like, oh, they're over-exaggerating. I can't believe this. Yes, there's some opportunists out there that are damaging stuff that doesn't matter. But guess what? Every protest, every protest has had that in the past. Every protest. And then guess what happens? They get lazy and they fall off. And then the protesters continue. And then they get lazy and fall off. And the protest continues. And then you have new people coming in with the movement. You have new. That's why sometimes stepping back, waiting a second, and then connecting. With your, if you're out there and you're protesting, for anyone watching, If you're out there and you want to be part of the movement and you want to protest, go to the leader of that protest and ask them, what is it that you want me to do? 
What's the position you would like for me to, how can I serve you? How can I help you in making sure that this movement is the way you need it? And so that way we're protecting the integrity of the movement and not just allowing people to come with their own agendas with a movement. That's, that is strong, my friend. That is real strong. It's funny because I was having a conversation um, uh, with my neighbor, something about that, like you were talking about with people are bitter and angry and, and, and they, they were trying to justify uh, both sides of hate. I was like, there's a huge difference, right? And as Christians, you got you, you to gotta have a heart. You got to have a forgiving heart, right? You got to have mercy and grace. But I'm like, there's a big difference because one side hates because of the person's skin color. If the other side, if they do hate, they hate because what has been done to them for so long and kept into that position for so long. Here's a huge difference. And, you know, and and I agree with you. I think love and coming together eventually will overcome this hate. You know what I mean? But we got to, like you said, call out the ones on this side of hate because there's no reason for it. They, 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 you know what I mean? It's just hate is unaccepted period. But dude, that, every time we have a conversation, I, I fall more and more in all of you because you are so prophetic. You, you speak the truth, but anyway, I, I, I don't want to you know, get off topic, but I, I, dude, I have mad respect for you, man. I think I, you know, there's, there's, the social economical oppression. There's the, um, I mean, if you if you do enough research, you'll see that. Not, I mean, you can go to basic. Um, there are there are basic things that you can look at that make sense as to why people. And I, I'll just go all the way back real quick. So when they abolished slavery, okay, today I'm a slave, tomorrow I'm free. Where do I go? Where do I go? I don't have a house. Because I live on your property, on that and that and that little cabin back there that you gave me with fifty of us. Where do I go? I'm ready to pack my little bag of a t-shirt, basically filled with whatever I got, and you ha- send me out. I can work. I'm a laborer, but I have nowhere to go. So then the then the laws came in that if everyone was homeless, they'd lock them up. Who were they locking up? They were locking up slaves that were homeless. <laughs> they had no place to go. So now they're still enslaved, right? And then. Um, when you when they say oh they put them in the ghetto no they didn't put them in the ghetto they put them in an area, and they lived together and then what happened was when the bankings got involved and they separated where people can live and where you can buy and can't buy. That didn't that didn't allow people to grow that didn't allow them to labor and so if you look at and so here's where here's where systematic oppression comes in, every company in the world has this pyramid. Thing. I don't care. So pyramid is business. It is pyramid is business. There's somebody at the top who eats better than everyone at the bottom. And it's when it's a scheme that it's a problem. But when it's actual business structure, it's a business structure. It's the same way. It's always been that way. And so you have companies that hire people. And so people, we go to edu- we go to school to learn and be educated to work. 
we don't learn to be entrepreneurs. We don't learn to be individuals who can uh, grow and build their own thing. We don't learn that. We learn how to labor. You get a good, you know, do a good job, get a good test, get a good score. You go home, your parents reward you. And this has been a system that has been developed. You graduate from school, you go to college, you get a good job, you get a good job, you live the American dream, you buy a house, a picket fence, and a dog, wife, two kids, right? This has been the, the thing. But companies and people that don't go through public education, that go off to boarding schools or go off to those individuals learn something different than we do not, that we don't get in the public sector. We, they get economic development. They get entrepreneurship, business building. They learn that the schools that Bill Gates and Trump and these people have gone to in the past and their parents sent them off is to develop the mindset, the mindset of what an entrepreneur is. They learn finance and entrepreneurship. They don't learn, get a good grade, graduate, go to college, get a good job. That's the laborer's mentality. So in a sense, the the employee is slaving for the business owner. So you still have a slave master mentality. I own the company and people go to work. If you ever think about this, they don't go to work because they want to work for the most part. They go because they need the job. Right. And to get fired, don't, don't, please, please, you can't, you, oh my God, please, you can't do this to me. That's what happens. That's not how we should be living. You know, that's why I love what I do. But guess what? The government shut me down for the past 13 weeks. 13 weeks. I've been an entrepreneur. I was a small percentage of someone who came out of an inner city community who grew up on welfare that bought a home, been self-sufficient, started my own business because I didn't go to college and I didn't follow the American dream, but I went into entrepreneurship and I learned it as I went along and it took me some time. However, I've been able to take care of myself. And in the last 13 weeks, I really haven't needed any help. That doesn't mean that I saved for a rainy day. That meant that I still have some multiple streams of income coming in, entrepreneurship that's been able to sustain me, but three quarters of my business has been disrupted. Okay. And so entrepreneurship helped me to be okay. If I worked for somebody, I probably would have been in a really tough situation, would have had to file unemployment and wait for it and, and all this stuff. You know, it was just really, really challenging. So, you know, entrepreneurs are in a different position and this has been a disruption to my entrepreneurial, you know, business, COVID, COVID. And now we're at social unrest. So we have the time to absorb it. And what are we going to do with it now that our souls, our spirits, our hearts, our minds are receptive to what's going on on, on, on every level, not just Black Lives uh, Matter movement, but even the people who are trying to justify their stinking thinking. You know, <laughs> we, can, we can really be influenced by some of their thought process and some of them don't get it. I, I'll say this. I know we had interviews before and I talked about I was the Puerto Rican kid that wasn't Spanish enough, right? You know, I have a black name, but I look Hispanic. I didn't speak Spanish. I rode a skateboard. I had long hair. You know, I was called the white kid. I, I, got, I got all that stuff growing up. I didn't fit in anywhere. But my mom taught me to be okay with me. And so I was okay with me. That self-awareness was really, really strong. When my mom was pregnant with me, she got kicked out by my Spanish mom. We were raised by my black dad he was my stepdad but he raised me so we got raised by so i was raised in black culture right now it gets really interesting when i turned when i turned 17 
um, or 16, I was working in an all-black barbershop as the cleanup kid, cleaning the windows, throwing out the trash. And I shared with you guys before how I got introduced to that. But I was groomed in a black business, black-owned business. The owner was a Christian black man. There was a barber who was Muslim. He was converted Muslim from Philadelphia. And then there was a black militant, black power, you know, guy who worked there. But the environment was a healthy environment because they all learned to work with one another with their differences. Okay. Now I'm this little Puerto Rican kid, 16 years old, 135 pounds, soaking wet with a brick in my pocket. Okay. Tiny little guy, but I'm being groomed. This is at the height of Rodney King, the height of, of the Million Man March, the height of OJ Simpson. I'm watching all this and being groomed in the stuff that I didn't learn at home, the stuff that I didn't learn at school about social injustice and systemic oppression. And so I'm learning this stuff. And then I go home to tell my mom, mom, hey, you know, and she's like, I don't want to hear that black stuff. And I'm like, but I, I'm just trying to, she, she goes, no, because you're in that black barbershop and you're learning all this black stuff. Now, my mom's, uh, we need to treat everybody with respect. She had homosexual friends, she had black, everybody. We treat everybody with respect. We love everybody. So don't come to me with this separation concept stuff, right? And she wasn't receptive at all. And I've tried, we went out to restaurants. I've tried 18 years old now. I'm talking about, I'm about 18. I'm trying to share the stuff that I've been learning and being groomed in. She wasn't receptive. Three, four days ago, I'm at her house and we're talking about Black Lives Matter. She brings it up and she says, well, don't all lives matter? And I'm like, let's slow down for a second. Yes, absolutely. No one's saying that black lives uh, or that all lives don't matter. They're saying black lives matter right now and that we're not saying that only black lives matter and that uh, all lives do not matter. We know that all lives matter. It's the fact that we need everyone's help to help push the movement of Black Lives Matter because those are the ones who are being most affected right now. Okay. That's, we, we reached out because you put a post up that we've read and it, it really, really touched my heart. And it had to do with that. It, it had to do with, uh, you know, all, you know, comparing Black Lives Matter and, mm-hmm. and talking about all lives matter and not saying that, you know, all lives don't matter. Was it the one with the little girl holding it up? No, about Christian and talk about Luke. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got there. That we got we got there with my mom. So what I, what I had put up, it said um, we said Black Lives Matter. We never said only Black Lives Matter. We know that all lives matter. We just need your help with the Black Lives Matter for blackness. Uh, for Black lives are in danger. And then right after that, I put the post uh, in Luke fifteen, the parable of the sheep and the one sinner. That that. That Bible verse is about the one sinner, but the shepherd left the 99 to go help the one in danger. And when I explained that to my mom, she, she's funny. She said, well, wasn't the sheep, wasn't his like leg broken or something? I said, no, it doesn't say that. She said, yeah, I believe that. I said, no, I think you were calling maybe a picture you saw of a Jesus carrying a sheep with a broken leg and you're trying to tie that together. That's not what it says. She goes, no, I think that's, I said, well, let's read it. So we read it together. And I said, there's nowhere in there that it says the leg was broken, but it does say that that sheep was in danger. And that's what we need to do is mobilize and take care of the one sheep that is in danger. Uh, we need to take care of the one sheep that is in harm's way, you know, because if not, it's going to just continue to be. And, and every, every time you lose that one sheep and you let it go, it's going to continue to get brutalized. It's going to continue to get taken advantage of, and we need to protect that one. 
I never connected the two, right? Until you, when you posted that, it was like a big giant light bulb off my head because it totally, totally made sense to me. It totally, you know, it, it, not that I've ever, you know, like, it was like, oh, you know, all lives matter, but right, right. it was just like, you know, that is the connection that hopefully if people can read that, it will open, you can see what, what, they're trying to do as, as, as this movement, right? As black lives, what, what you're trying to do is it's it just, it was so beautifully written. And, uh, if for those that, you know, get an opportunity to go back in your feed, they need to go read that. And, and I've seen other versions of that now been sent around, but basically what it, it was just saying that, you know, uh, how, you know, the parable was, you know, the shepherd, the one sheep got, goes away jesus leaves or the shepherd leaves the the 99 to go save the one and and, mm-hmm. and you, you basically you know saying all lives matter was the 99 right and and the shepherd go leave to, to help the one and that's the black lives matter who is in danger they feel in danger and it's just it was just a huge light bulb that went off in my head and, and i just hope it, it same thing happens to, to a lot of other people because it was just it was great you know, sometimes we need, sometimes we need um, something to, that, that it doesn't matter until it matters and it doesn't affect you until it affects you and you don't feel it or have empathy until it happens to you. You know, you're just like, holy crap, what is that? And you're like, man, that's crazy. Until it happens to you, you know, uh, if you've ever had a flat tire and been on the road and had a difficult time changing flat tire. You think about the person when you drive past them on the road and you think, you know what, maybe I should stop and help them. Cause you know how difficult that has been, you know? Right. But when you haven't had the experience that you're like, man, I hope they got triple A, you know, and you, just kind of get your way. And, and, and you don't really think about how that person is feeling until it actually happens to you, yeah. you know? And so it's one of those things that sometimes you need other things, other stories, other images to hit. And that's why it's important that we continue to be relentless in the message because someone's not going to get it the first time you say it. Someone's not going to understand it the first time you say it. Someone's not going to connect with it in the way you intended to the third or fourth or fifth time you say it. And then there's that one thing you say, there's that one video, there's that one image. And then they're like, it makes total sense. It kind of reminds me, uh, Tariq, it reminds me, um, like certainly we've all had those family members who were like, I don't want to say anti-gay, but you know, we talk out against the gay movement and then all of a sudden they have a gay kid and their vision, their view completely changes. Right. And then it's like, now they're supporting the gay movement and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, that's when you were saying that, that's kind of what came to mind. Like, Oh, you know what? I, I've seen that a few times, um, you know, over, over our social media life. Tariq. So as an industry moving forward, like, like, how can we do better as an industry, you know, so, as hairdressers, as industry as whole, as companies, as manufacturers, as, so as whatever? As you, as you bring that up, right before that, you mentioned, like, during the gay movement, the LGTB movement and whatnot. And what's happening, and, and, and this is happening, you'll see it. You'll see Black Lives Matter, transgender lives matter, and they're trying to associate their movement with the Black Lives Matter movement. They're separate movements, okay? Yeah. and it happens a lot and we don't want to shift the narrative. I get it. You're saying you guys fought for equal opportunity and you're with us. So just be with us. Don't include yourself as a part of the movement. 
It is the Black Lives Matter movement. It's not Black Lives Matter, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, F, E, Q, R, S, T, U, K. It's not that. It's not that. I'm not, we appreciate the help. We appreciate the support. However, it's not about you. Stop including you. Just, you you know how to mobilize. You know how to get people together. Help us with mobilization and getting people together. But understand that it is the Black Lives Matter movement, not Black Lives and you and them and us. No, it is about this cause. Let's keep it to that. Let's not, you know, deviate from the movement and start adding because it becomes confusing. And then some people who aren't about what you are about are going to be completely against what this is about, even if they agree with this. Let's focus on this and let's keep it a Black Lives Matter movement. So as far as the industry, you know, I've been in the, I've been in the hair industry for 28 years. I've seen so many changes in all of the years that I've been in the barbering industry. As a barber, I mentioned to you guys before, we were the armpit of the industry. We were in the back corner. My very first show I've ever been to was IBS New York. We had three, four booths. We were in the back corner in the tuck somewhere. The spa had their own big section. The beauty had their own section. Estheticians had, I mean, it was huge. Barbers, little tiny little spot in the corner, four little booths. I'm not talking about the clipper companies. The clipper companies are clipper companies. They don't represent the barbering industry. They represent the clipper companies. But I'm talking about barbering brands owned by barbers, built by barbers, set up for barbers, three, four booths. That's it. And um, I've seen it evolve in the last 28 years of my career. Um, but I've seen a lot of the same as well. Uh, I'll give you an example. And if during COVID-19, have you, I'll just ask, have you guys seen any of like the industry companies putting out Zoom calls for education? Did you see that? Heck yeah. You can't avoid it, right? Can't avoid it. They're all over the place, right? Right. Yeah. Let me ask you this. In all of those Zoom calls, you can go back and look at them. How many African-Americans, Latino, Hispanics, whatever, brown, black, did you see as educators in those companies on those Zoom calls? They'll have 30 photos of people, 15 photos, and they'll have a list of what's going on this week and next week and next week. Join the Zoom call, join the Zoom call, join our educator. How many did you see? Well, there was definitely a few. Like, I certainly kept an eye on, like, what Lisa was up to. Um, and uh, I certainly kept an eye on, well, what, what the great key is up to. <laughs> well, what, what I'm saying is not the yeah, yeah. individual. I'm talking about the company. So when a company put out, right. we're doing education and here are educators and you saw 15 people, 20 people, how many African-Americans, how many? how many blacks, how many, you didn't see many at all. And in a lot of cases, you didn't see any at all. Right. It was very seldom that you saw one or two, but most of the time it weren't. Now, how, when did that get highlighted? Not because of the Black Lives Matter movement. That got highlighted once the Matrix and the Hair Godzito video released. Okay. And so once that released, then there was this, and then people were like, yeah, I've experienced that. Yeah. I work for the company and I stepped down. Yeah. I've been trying to, and they haven't accepted me. And then you saw a lot of this happening. These conversations been happening. And so, um, the company started recognized. And then the next few days you started seeing companies posting more people of color, people of ethnicity, different ethnicity on their pages. Because guess what? Don't call us out. So I'll you're suggesting. So you're just you're suggesting, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're suggesting that that the brands and the manufacturers are taking more of a defensive kind of um, uh, approach to it as opposed to being um, uh, proactive. Yes. Um, 
because you didn't see as much on the page prior to. And so let me put this up so you don't attack us. But just scroll down the page. I can look at it right now, but just scroll down the page. And so so is that a strategic plan for them to just kind of get off of the radar? Hey, I don't know. You can make your own determination. And again, I'm not about I'm saying these things to give perspective and to shed light on them. I'm never, ever a person that's about divisiveness, that's about separation, that's about a division. That is not my intention ever. It's about awareness. I live with the mentality of serving other people, not serving a type of people, but serving people in general. That is my motto. Listen, my shirt says, I heart you. <laughs> okay. And we heart you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, so what it is, is about love. It's about sharing love and bringing people together, but it's important to identify things that, um, cause if you don't say anything and you're silent about it, it's going to continue to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen companies now posting photos of, of black and brown people and people of color and, and highlighting that. But when it comes to how they hire, I remember in, um, uh, 20, 2007, I went down to Miami and, um, I was asked to work for a few different companies and all of them asked me if I spoke Spanish. And I was at, um, I was at Premier Orlando. It makes sense that you want to hire a Latin Latino, someone who speaks Spanish, because when you're in Miami or in the Latin market for the hair shows, you need Spanish speaking people because of the, the, the huge volume of uh, clients that come in but guess what a lot of those latinos that work for that show they don't work a lot of other shows they only work that show right you know and when they when they're needed to work in a latino market then they're hired for that show but they're just as smart in english what makes them so different you know right. and so they'll only get hired for those particular shows i got denied jobs because i couldn't work specific shows and so you know it, it got to a point where I got turned down by Andis, Ivan Zoot. I went to Ivan Zoot. I said, hey, you know, I had a resume. I had my portfolio. I was in a business suit. I was prepared. Um, and I got turned down by Ivan Zoot. I always remind him of that every time I see him. <laughs> uh, I, got, I got turned down by Ivan Zoot. And I said, you know, I would like to speak to the director of education. He's like, I am the director. of ed-. I said, okay, I'm looking for a child. Uh, a place with your company. Here's my resume, my portfolio. I've also developed this thing, branding thing. I, I did a whole bunch of stuff because I really wanted that at the time. And he turned me down really right away. He says, we're not, we're not hiring anybody right now. And you know, he already talks fast. So he was like, boom. So, so I was just like, man, I said, was there anything I can do? You know, I mean, I can help out. I can assist. I want to earn my way if I have to, but he was like, yeah, we're not hiring right now. And I was like, okay, is there another time that I can reach you outside of a show? Because I know right now the focus is sales. Is there another time that I reach and he's, we're just not hiring right now. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to beg these companies to hire me. Like I'm just, I don't need, I'm going to build my own thing. And I said, that's it. I'm done. So I stopped asking to work for shows. I stopped and I've got, I've gotten requests to be work. So I, I changed the, the thought. It's not working for a company. It's working with a company. I'll work with you. I'm not going to work for you, you know, because you're only going to want to use me when you need me. You don't want it. You don't want it. So pay me, uh, pay me for the service. Not because if you can't take me to any other show or any other event because you don't want me on that stage or I don't look like you want me to look, I don't want to work for you. So I, I just stopped doing that and I just focused on building my own thing. And so you know, Premier Barber Institute exists because I didn't chase that dream and working for someone instead of working for myself and building my own thing. All right, back to the question. 
with this? <laughs> how do, how can we, I mean, as an industry, how can we be better? How can, you know, what, can we use this, this, this current filter um, to make the industry better? I think there's a lot of things we could do. And yes, you could use this current filter to make the industry better. But it, again, here, here's what may happen. I'm just hypotheticals. Just like in the equal opportunity job in the business and, and corporate sector, you have whites that will go apply for a job, but because a job is not meeting its equal opportunity quota, they don't hire the white guy who's qualified. You then have the backlash of, oh, and then you have people upset because a company has to hire a black person. We have to look at people as humans. We have to look at people as humans, not, not, um, we have to look at people as humans, not at people of color. And, and, and why that's important is because uh, we got to reverse engineer the system. The, the system was built to help a certain group of people business-wise and anyone who didn't fit that shell was outside. So we have to reverse engineer. When you built your business, did you you, you want to make money, but you built the experience because you want to give the customer the best experience. That's reverse engineering. When I built my app, it was about the client first, then the then the barber, then the business. Not me, then you, then them. I built it for the customer, for the consumer, for the guest. And so, um, you know, real, real, I think, is the new currency. And it's not that it's never been, but think about this. You have so many social media influencers. Some of them live, they live at home with their mom, but they got 100,000 followers. Some of them, you know, um, got a million followers. They get into an accident and then they do a GoFundMe account because they didn't have insurance. Like, what was real? And you have this huge number of following, but you don't have your business in order, Right. And so real is the new currency. And when you need, we need to call people out when they're not being real about what they're doing and how they're doing it. So how do you help the companies be real about it, speak up about it? And we want to be in a position where we're gathering and not scattering people. We don't want to scatter people. We want to gather people. And, and the difference for, I think, some of the companies is to repent and not lament. So repenting is, um, is when you say, I'm sorry but then you put some actionable item into adjust that because you actually really feel bad about what you did or did not do. Okay. Lamenting is, Oh, let me apologize. Cause I got caught. Let me apologize. Cause I got caught out on it. You call that Drew Brees too, right? No, I'm joking. 100%. That's lamenting right there. 100%. But no, even further, Roger Goodell. Right. Because Goodell, let me just real quick, because it's industry related. <laughs> We're talking about industry mindset, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. So when Colin Kaepernick peacefully protested, he didn't make the decision to take a knee because he wanted to be an idiot. He went and sought counsel. The Bible says, seek ye the counsel of the wise. He went and sought counsel and he spoke to a guy who was a Green Beret who was in the military, and he said to him, it is more honorable for you to take a knee than to turn your back or to sit down. It's more honorable to do that. And so with advisement, that is the decision and that is the position that he took. He took the position. He kneeled peacefully, right? Then what happens next? Other players join the movement. 
than one specific powerful influencer in our global world says, that's wrong. Fire those guys. Get them out of here. Whatever. Some and, of the bitches, I think, was the quote. Okay, there you go. So what, the, what, what happens? Roger Goodell is a conformist. He's not a transformist. In order to transform, the Bible says transform by the renewing of your mind. That's an inward change. That's not an outward change. Okay, it's an inward change. I'm going to make the decision to better myself and lose weight. And now I'm going to take an actionable item and do it so that way I can lose weight. Roger Goodell conformed to his donors and the influencers who pushed him to make that decision. Instead of standing behind his player and being at the forefront of the movement with the largest audience in the world, he conformed to what his influence was saying to do. Right. After the fact, now here we are from 2016. Here we are 2020. Colin Kaepernick never switched his position. He didn't lash out and get angry. He didn't get impatient and frustrated. He said, fine, I'm going to maintain my position. I'm going to do this with the same attitude and the same mindset. I'm not going to allow my emotions to get the best of me. I'm going to maintain my position. Okay. Now Roger Goodell comes out. He didn't come out because he feels bad. If you do know the full story, and I can share it with you, I'll send it to you. Basically, what happened was there was a rogue athlete, a rogue NFL insider that talked to a few players and the players made their own video. They made their video and they put it out themselves. And then that video got pushed to Roger Goodell. And very next day, Roger Goodell takes their words, their words that they said, and puts it out. But he was lamenting. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Tariq. I'm going to hold you a little bit, okay? You can't. One, okay. So I think it's a Mark Twain quote that says, if I thought the same at the world at 40 that I did at 20, that I wasted 20 years of my life. Okay. Right. So on that quote, um, don't we all have the ability to grow? Don't we all have the ability to, 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 to change our mind and, and maybe sometimes, and listen, this is exactly what protest is. You know, if, if protest wasn't to put a, uh, a, a hot iron in your butt, then, then, then there's no re- reason to protest. Right. So, you know, you have to change the minds of those that, that are either on the fence or those that, that, that are willing to join your movement, you know, that was on the other side of the fence. So with that, don't we all have that right? Absolutely. We have the right. And and listen, certain things will push us to change our perspective at times. I do agree with you. Um, Again, again, when did he do this? Right after Drew Brees was getting attacked. Not when Colin Kaepernick was getting attacked. Not when 15, 20, 30 athletes were taking a knee. But but we all have but we all have our own timeline, right? We all have our own timeline to see stuff. Yeah, but Drew Brees had a 24-hour timeline. Did, did you hear it? But did, but did you hear Roger Goodell's apology? Did you listen to it? Listen, <laughs> on no level am I defending Roger Goodell. I I'm know just you're defend, not. You're, I'm, just defending, you're I'm just defending the right that we all have. Whenever our light bulb goes off, like like I think that we need to just appreciate that the light bulb went off and that now we have a new ally in in, well, in, in the in the movement. Well, that's the difference between le- repenting and lamenting. We need to see what the actionable items are going to be. Right. So oh, you, you said you're sorry. You had an epiphany for whatever reason, even if he doesn't believe in it, right? <laughs> he almost is forced to because the NFL is made by the players. It's not the, the owners. It, it's right. the players. You have no players. You have no league. And the majority of the league is African-American. So it was just idiotic from the very beginning. And here we are 
you know, 2020 dealing with this Black Lives Matter movement. And the moment that Drew Brees gets attacked, F Drew Brees, and the Saints are being attacked, and then the NFL's under fire again, mm-hmm. the players are the ones that stood up. The African-American players stood up and said, we stand together with the Black Lives Matter movement. We are, I am Ahmaud Aubrey. I am uh, Breonna Taylor. I am George Floyd. And they began that. And then it was like, what are you going to do if it was one of us? Right? right. And then once that happened, that may have been the light bulb for him. I don't know. But his apology did not sound at all. Listen, I done been into some stuff. I know how to apologize. Okay. <laughs> I know when my heart's in it and I know when I'm not, you know, and um, my wife, she will tell you, yeah, I don't know if I believe that apology. <laughs> okay. She, she, she might even say, I hear you. And I understand, but she wants a repentance, not a lament. I, um, I, one of my favorite memes or quotes or whatever is that all apologies end at but. Oh, yeah, that's – oh, I love when that happens. I say because but is a conjunction. It changes the meaning of the first part of the sentence. I don't put but in my apology. Nope. I don't say I love you, but you got on my nerves. That does never <laughs> – never. <laughs> never. My second, start- fa- my second favorite meme of last week was uh, – Honey, I love you. Oh, I love everyone. Not happening. Not <laughs> happening. But I've, I've been married. I've been married for seventeen years. Been with her twenty-two years. I know what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning every day, Terry. Still- I am too. I am too. <laughs> but I, I, I think I had a. Uh, I got knocked aside my head metaphorically um, <laughs> early in the game. That it's kind of helped me to reposition my thinking. That's all. Yeah. That's, that's good and, and I think I think that's I think that's really really about. So when we talk about Roger Goodell, we talk about football, we talk about our industry, right? We talk about our industry, and we talk about how we need to um, re-engineer from uh, reverse engineer the system from the inside out, right? Focusing on the outside and bring it in, right? We have to take advantage of a lifetime of an opportunity in the lifetime of the opportunity. And right now is the opportunity. You know, if if we wait too long, and this is why I said I don't want it to stop. I play golf, right? If I'm hitting the golf ball and I'm slicing and it's going way right, the fix to that right shot is an awkward, really hard pull left type of shot to help readjust that you have to be on the opposite side of the spectrum in order to right that wrong. Another example I would give you, you guys um, went through cosmetology. So you understand hair color. If the hair is yellow and brassy, what color do you need in order to neutralize it? So it's on the violet. You need violet. You need purple to remove gold and brassy. You need blue to remove orange. You need red to remove green. Where are those on the color wheel spectrum? They're on the complete opposite side. And what do they do? They neutralize the color. So just a little bit of color information for some of you out there that don't know. That is what I believe needs to happen in what's going on. So it needs to be extremely on the opposite side in order to course correct it and neutralize what we have. So are there going to be some tension? Absolutely. Are there going to be some people who don't understand it? Yep. But they will in time. They will in time. I know when I teach hair color at school and I say, 
you know, your hair is brassy, so you need to get a tone. You need some violet base on that. We'll try to level you trying. Okay, you're level 12, and you want to highlight that. You want to bring that to uh, like a platinum blonde, then you need violet base. And they're looking at me. They're like, that doesn't make sense. So the hair's going to be purple. Then they put it on the head, and it's like, oh, my God, it's purple. What's going to happen? I'm like, hey, relax, chill. Just wait a minute. <laughs> they're like, I don't want my hair purple. I don't want my hair to be purple. And they're like freaking out. And then eventually they realize that that is the formula to fix it. And we need the right formula to fix it. And right now we need the movement to be 100% on the other side, continuing to push the movement, continuing to push the agenda until it neutralizes and we get to a place that reverse engineering and I see you as an equal and I see you as, 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 as someone that is just like me and we don't look at color, we look at human because it's about the human condition. We're in a place for it because empathy is all the way up. We're in a place for it. We're ready for it. Emotionally, mentally, we're in a place for it. We just need to continue to push and get there and help our friends who don't understand. Have those conversations that are very uncomfortable and and call people out because real is the new currency. Do you um a, a couple questions? Uh, right now, every manufacturer for the last week has p- posted African American artists doing their thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we as an industry hold these accounts accountable? you know, say six months from now? Well, uh, you realize, call them out. Call them out because it'll fade. It always mm-hmm. does. Oh, it's really, it's really hot right now. We got to, we got to push this button and then it'll fade. Don't, don't worry about it. It'll fade. And then they go back to the norm. Listen, all of us are going to go back to work at some point, right? If you're not, I'm not, I'm not, but it, we're going we're, to, we're go back to, we're going to go back. I know for me, I'm going to go back to a new normal. I'm going to go back to a new mm-hmm. normal. Right. And the first few weeks, we're going to wear a mask and do all the stuff that we have to do. Right. And wear the gloves. And then after a couple of weeks, it gets better. It gets better. And then we take the mask off and then we're back to our. And if it, what happened to the mask? What happened to the gloves? What happened to the, it's going to happen. Right. But we need those reminders. And so accountability. So here, <clears throat> here's what it is. We need empathy. We already have that. It's high. Right. We need honesty. We need responsibility and we need accountability. We need to hold the companies accountable to what they say they're going to do. We need to be responsible in how we act on those things. And we need to be honest with each other about those things. We already have empathy. The problem is, here's what my problem was, is it took 10 days, 11 days from a lot of companies to put anything about a Black Lives Matter movement or in solidarity to uh, anything going on. It took them 11 days in some cases before they posted anything. Okay, so it's like, are y'all not paying attention? Not to mention, not to mention, um, when one company says we want to help the movement and they're participating in the movement, uh, another company would start to lash out like, oh, now you're taking an opportunity to capitalize the, the, the sales of your new product off of our movement. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. If your company's not doing anything about the movement, then don't say something about someone who is doing something about the movement. Because mm-hmm. if the focus is the movement, then shut up. Get Period. out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Don't cause division. If you don't like the fact that their product looks like yours, Michael Jordan's not complaining about the sneakers that look like his. <laughs> yeah. He's just not. It's cool that you may have some emotional investment in the brand that you work for and work under. However, comma. If you're not doing anything for the movement, 
and someone is volunteering their time, their money, their energy for the move, shut up, get out the way and allow them to do what it is. If they are doing it with the intention to capitalize, that's something they got to answer. Ain't got nothing to do with me. But if they're doing it in the name of and they're really actually putting some action to what they're saying they're doing for the movement, then continue to support them because you, I don't see you doing it. You're not doing it. So right. shut up. Get out of the way. I love that. That stuff's annoying. That's the stuff that because real's the new currency. You have a real position about how you feel. But what are you doing about it? What have you done? You know, there's one black-owned company, Clipper Company, in the world. It's called Premier Clippers. It's the only Clipper company in the world. He's not out yelling at people who are not for the Black Lives Movement and other Clipper companies. He's not outing them, okay? But there is another Clipper company that's owned by Procter & Gamble that is complaining about another Clipper company that is owned by a Chinese company that they stole their concept idea and their visual. The Chinese company is supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. The other company owned by Procter & Gamble that has a black CEO that started as a black-owned company, one of their educators or influencers is fighting against the CEO's not, and neither is Procter & Gamble. The educators are warm with one another. We can't have that. That's that's not that's not what we're about. And I know I'm not about that. And I'm I, I hope that because I called both people up that I know personally. And and that's what I'm saying. Real is the new currency. We gotta be empathetic to what people feel. I get it. I feel how you feel. I understand you. We have to be honest with each other. So I was able to speak to them in honesty about, hey, hey, hey what's really important here we have to be responsible in our approach and what we say what comes out of our mouth what's it, what the bible says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so you have to be responsible what you say if you're an influencer or you work for a company that represents something because you don't just represent you you also are uh, a liaison to that company and you represent that company in some respect so we have to be responsible and then we have to hold our friends accountable. Accountability is important. I called out my friends and I said, hey, I think what you're saying is uh, a little wrong. And let's explain why I think it's wrong. I get your message because I'm empathetic and I feel you. However, what is it really about? Let's focus on that. And if it's about divisiveness and if it's about separation, if it's about, hey, they're about supporting the movement. Let's stand behind them and support them and say, hey, great job, blah, blah, blah. Michael Jordan is not complaining that the sneakers look like his. He doesn't <laughs> care. He just keeps selling the sneakers. And so <clears throat> when I say what we, when you ask, what do we need to do as an industry? I'm one person. But I think that call to action would be empathy, honesty, responsibility, and accountability. And that's what I did with these two people. So I'm talking about it to you, but I actually spoke to them about it. Mm, so that. it's not like, oh, I'm going to get on here and I'm going to say something. No. I called my friend up that works at this company and I called my friend up that works at this company. And I said, Hey, let's do a, a group chat. If you will, let's have this conversation openly, but I need to call you out on your response. And I need to call you out on your response. And I need to understand what it is your movement is and what it is because as an industry, people look at us, they look at the influencers for the answers. And if you guys are out here putting out poison, I need to, I need to be honest with you. You need to be responsible for what you say, and I'm going to hold you guys accountable to what you say you're going to be doing. Tariq, did um, did you accept Ricky's apology? Um, 
repent and lament. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, it was in his heart what he was saying, how he was doing it. And I, I will tell you this, the other comments, not, not, not his apology, the video that surfaced first, but then there was a slideshow. I don't know if you saw the slideshow of the other conversations that were happening at the shampoo bowl and things like that. Did y'all see that one? I didn't. Okay. I didn't see. I didn't see the video either. I just kind of okay. watched so, the explosion. So, so the so the video of him, what he said out loud in front of uh, a bunch of people at a at an event, and everyone kind of laughed. And it was an uncomfortable laugh. You can kind of tell, like some people were kind of uncomfortable. But some people were just like, "Did he really just say that?" But whatever, <laughs> right? You can kind of you can. I'm an energy person. You can feel that even through the video. You can feel right. it. Sure. Then there was a slideshow, and in the slideshow, there was three other situations that took place. One at the shampoo bowl while they were talking, some other private conversation behind stage, and some things that happened. And right before he went on, right before he went on live on the uh, behind the chair live page, he almost dropped the N-word. And the director who was holding the phone was like, you just, I'm about to go live on behind the chair btc page and you almost you need to be careful and they kind of like laugh and joke but but these are accounts it's all written in the thing and the girl who was assisting was afraid that this was the only opportunity she got to work for a company and she didn't want to ruin it by outing or saying anything so she just kind of held it that's why that's why this stuff continues i don't want to lose my job so i'm not going to say anything empathy honesty responsibility and accountability simple so when it came to that the statements that were made at the shampoo bowl and behind the scenes, I had a student at my school who said the same exact statements that were made that Ricky made or supposedly Ricky made at that shampoo bowl. It same thing happened at my school with a different situation. And since you may not know what it is, I'm going to tell you what it was. The girl was at the bowl getting her hair done. She was so happy to be at this uh, time getting her hair and whatnot. And what did she say? She said she's going through a tough time. It feels so good to get her hair done because her boyfriend just left her and cheated on her and all that. And Ricky says, was he black? And she goes, well, that, and she's like, yeah. And he goes, well, that's why it happened. And then he goes on to say, I could never F with uh, a white girl who messed with black dudes ever. And he makes this statement, right? And so now, again, I wasn't there. This is the person's account who was there assisting the entire time. She said that it was so uncomfortable that she walked away for a moment and had to regroup herself to come back then assist. But these are her accounts of what happened. So I was at school teaching and there was a beautiful girl that lived across the street. The guy, um, her husband, her husband, her boyfriend was a state trooper, big black dude. She was this beautiful, just built. She was just just gorgeous woman and um, fair-skinned woman. And one of the barbers was like, man, I love looking at her every day, but I could never mess with her because I don't mess with white girls that mess with black dudes. And I was like, excuse me? And we had this, I mean, I had to take him in the office. I had this, had this conversation, right? Because empathy, honesty, responsibility, and accountability. I have a school. My school is extremely diverse. We don't exclude anybody. We give everyone the opportunity and we're going to treat everybody with respect. And you will also respect everybody in here. Your statements need to be in the right place. And I promise you that if you don't, you will be removed from our program. 
you know, they're like, oh, everyone's now oversensitive about this thing. Like, we just right. need to be cautious. Yep, they are. And guess what? As a business owner, you have to be oversensitive on every area for the black and the white. For So, so if you're white, yeah, yep, we got to be extra sensitive. I need to be mindful of what I say. For the black, absolutely, you need to be watching what you're saying because it's offensive to somebody else. Tariq, thank you so much, dude. I, we... We just love your conversation. We love your thoughtfulness um, so much. And uh, we just appreciate that you, that you spend uh, any time with us, you know, but we, we appreciate you, man. So um, once again, uh, just kind of uh, take this opportunity to, to promote what you're up to, your, your Instagrams, and of course, your, uh, our, favorite, our favorite Tuesday morning chats. <laughs> so um, guys, in, in order to, to, to really reverse engineer the system, we must change by advancing and evolving. We got to first change, we got to advance, and we need to evolve. We're in an ever we are in an ever changing industry. We either change with it or die from it. We need to evolve as things are evolving. We need to get better in what it is that we do and um, we need to be we need to make sure that it's important to have empathy, honesty, responsibility and accountability for change. Uh, I do a live broadcast every Tuesday on Instagram. It's called Tyreek Jackson. Um, it's called Tyreek Tyreek Talks Tuesday. I'm Tyreek Jackson, the host, and it's on my page. I am Tyreek Jackson. Thank you guys for just having me on your show again. Thank you all for listening. I hope that today, uh, whatever you gathered from this, you understand that it's about growth and change and, and not inclusiveness. It's a really about bringing us together in unity um, and the, the slogan that i live in i stand by is serve your needs by serving needs of others i hope that i served you guys needs today terry jackson you blow us away thank you very much and thank you for joining us on your day off